Fine. So today is an episode of quasi cubed or or squared, I guess. Squared with capital Q, second letters capitalized. Um, and I bet you're all wondering, you know, where has Jacob gone? And no, sadly, he will not be making a triumphant entrance for which I have to write music for. Uh, thanks, Ruben. Uh, I, I was the one actually who wrote the Larry David theme. All right. Do you uh, write for all jokes aside? All jokes aside. This is a very sad day for the Cube podcast. You see, uh, as we brought up several episodes ago, our 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 uh, our rat writer, our ratatouille, uh, Martin. You know, he was waiting for the strikes to end in order to resume his his joke writing work. Um, but as you all know, the life expectancy of a rat not very long. Martin was already quite old. He didn't make it to the end of the strike, but. I know you're all sad. I know you're all horribly sad, but his last request was to be buried in Guadalajara, Mexico, his hometown. So Jacob is currently on a plane ride to Guadalajara to put our good rat friend to rest. Why the hell? Creation is beautiful. See what's happening this week with the pop culture. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture Quintessentials with Squared today, since there's only two of us, uh, capital Q. Uh, my name is Ruben Kiros. I am one half of Squared, and I am being joined by... Jonathan Kiros, another half of Squared. That's so I'm, I, I do want to apologize ahead of time, because now you got to put up with my screwball comedy without Jacob's, you know, more mellow, down-to-earth, dry humor. So the yeah, balance exactly. here is going to be rough, because it's just me... And uh, this idiot over here. Uh, so you know, we'll hey, do what we. I'll do what I can to keep it hey, spicy. I but Ruben will, Ruben will try to stop me. There are probably going to be several cuts in this. You'll notice several cuts in this recording because Ruben will probably cut it off and be like, Jonathan, why are you do- saying this? Why are you doing this? Oh, that's not funny. I know Ruben. Work with it. First rule of improv: you roll with everything. This isn't right? improv. It is a entertainment news podcast. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot that we have scripts in front of us the entire time. All right, so <laughs> the first topics we're uh, topic we're going to talk about is, uh, of course, the Hollywood strikes, which are still 
the biggest topic of news in the entertainment only, industry. Only one of them is is really going at this point, though. So you know. one of them's completely gone. So let's yeah. let's give our final update of the WGA strike because this will be the last last time we ever talk about yeah. the 2023 WGA strike. Okay, so Maybe, oh, <laughs> I'm never gonna have to talk about this shit again. <laughs> okay, so um on Monday the ratification vote for the contract closed, which is basically when all the members. Um, of the Writers Guild voted for that new contract that was agreed upon by the negotiating committee of the WGA and the studios or the a- AMPTP. Um, so the results of that came out. Uh, out of all 11,000 members, 8,525 voted on the agreement. Um, out of those 8,525, 8,435 voted yes, and only 90, yes, 90 vo- voted no. So 99% of the people who voted for it uh, approved the contract. So overwhelmingly um, accepted. Congratulations to the writers. We went over last time everything they got. Um, I think they made really good progress um, and got really good. um, Well, I don't want to call it gifts. Um, They got got the studios to give them a fair deal. They got their rights. That's they, what got, they got. There we they go. got That's their fair rights they against AI, rights. against AI especially. Because uh, that was the big one. AI the big was one the big was AI. One. I was listening back to, to the beginning of our last podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I usually try to listen through the podcast episode so I know, you know, where to pick off, pick up after we finish. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, I heard the terms, and uh, I think the one that. Uh, the, the one that because uh, Jacob didn't really you know understand doesn't understand it to as deep of a degree, but like the fact that you no know, writers' previous works now can't be used to train AI that is really good because there's been a I mean as, as a writer myself like that's something that's been going around the entire community not just Hollywood writers like just writers everywhere we're just very worried about our voices being stolen in order to make cheap product and, and, and toss us aside because you're still using our our talents our gifts like the things that we bring to the table and then discarding us so that you don't have to pay you know that's that's messed up and the fact that you know we got that locked down very happy about that also very happy i'm never gonna have to talk about this particular wga strike again if another one happens in my lifetime i am Finding Jeff Bezos, no, I'm sorry, finding Bob Iger and pushing him off a cliff. This is a promise. Sign it, sign it, sign it in blood for me, Ruben. I, no. <laughs> no I'm not going to do that. Um, okay. No, but okay. yeah, congratulations to the writers. Um, this means that, well, the talk shows already came back. Uh, Saturday Night Live came back last night. Unfortunately. And, no, I'm just I, think, <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. Like occasionally, I like it. You don't like SNL at all. Like SNL has while. its moment. No, yeah, every once in a while, it turns out it's gems. I think people who hate Pete it. Pete Davidson like, hosting last night was hilarious. Like I saw some of the sketches. <laughs> oh, did, did he have to host? Because like, uh, like Hollywood actors can't at the moment. Um, I think they can host, uh, but they can't promote anything. It's the same thing with the talk shows right now. There's yes on the shows, but it's so weird because like like actors will come on and it'll just be chilling with the hosts. Yeah, like they can't, they can't, they can't, they promote the can't ask them. I was gonna say they can't ask them the, the question like, so what do you got coming up? They're just like, according to the AGA, <laughs> I am not allowed to promote anything. <laughs> Good God, no, they uh, they th- that's gotta come to an end soon. J- seriously, 
Um, okay, but moving on. Um, so I alluded to it. The SAG strike is still going on. Um, they've negotiated for 10 days straight. Uh, the four CEOs that were in the room for the writers were in the room for the actors. So it was Iger from Disney, Zaslav uh, from WB, Sarandos from Netflix, and Langley from Universal. Um, they were there and they're trying to negotiate. The actors and the studios negotiated for 10 days straight. Um, but unfortunately, um, at the end of the day, uh, no deal came out of those negotiations. The talks collapsed on Wednesday. Um, to give a uh, little bit of a postmortem on these talks that collapsed, uh, we're going to talk about like, a little bit about what each side is like. What's the, what are the sticking points at this point? There are two big sticking points, uh, one big one for each side. Um, first, uh, the first one is uh, financial, obviously. Um, it's streaming residuals. Um, the right, uh, sorry, not the writers. The actors are asking for like 50 something cents of each subscriber each year. And the studios yeah. said no effing way to that. Which, um, but the studios I, claimed, I, yeah, go ahead. If I may add, when Ruben mentioned that to me yesterday, I was like, that is absurd. There are millions of subscribers asking for 50 cents. That is an exorbitant amount of money to app to claim for. That is selfish. That is crazy. <laughs> that is unacceptable. Ruben, why don't you tell them what you told me next? Yes. So the studios publicly claimed, like to the, the trades and stuff, that um it would cost $2.4 billion over three years, or eight hundred million dollars a year. The studio uh, the, the actors guild. On the other hand, said that the studios exaggerated that number by sixty percent. Okay, and First then mark of contention. <laughs> yes, sixty percent exaggeration, no big deal. But then, like external analysis has shown that this request will only cost the studios get this two percent of their total revenue. I'm going to say that one more time: two percent of the Second total revenue. Second point of contention. As soon as Ruben told me that, I was like. Oh shit! <laughs> That's how much Andrew Garfield's character was making by the end of the social network, wasn't it? <laughs> From Facebook. Yeah, he was making maybe oh, a little my less, but it's gonna <laughs> be like I'm not a part of Facebook. Okay, it's not like you're not a part of Facebook. You're not a part of Facebook. My name's on the masthead. You might want to check again. You think you could just come in here, parade? Stop quoting the social oh, network. My products and the cleaners, along with my hoodie and my fucking. You pretentious douchebag! <laughs> you were you were setting me up to do that, weren't you? Yes. Also, Ruben, you it, here in the script. Remember, this is an improv. You wrote the script beforehand, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm just I'm 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 such a good reader. Look at this. I'm getting into my stride. Anyway, continue. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's the back and forth. The studios think it's an outrageous request by the actors. They say the actors brought this up at the last minute. Which that part apparently is true. The actors did bring this up at the last minute during negotiations, um, but at the same time, I mean, they had they could have countered instead of just like saying "f you guys, let's walk away from the table completely, screw all of this," which is what yeah, they my, did. I was gonna say my guess is that they said fifty, like forty cents, whatever, whatever the actual number was. They gave that thinking, okay, we can bring it down to the number that we actually yeah. want, you know. We can negotiate this. Dead end. <laughs> just not, not even an attempt. They're like, we actually just want five cents, but we don't want these guys to like, you know, 
take advantage of us even further. So if we start high and we bring it down, yeah, like a negotiation supposed you know, like to a negotiation you. works. And as soon as <laughs> they bring it up, they're like, "F off!" It's like bye. that scene. It's like that scene in Sponge in the in the SpongeBob episode where he forgets the pickles. Uh, where Bubble Bash wa- Bubble Bath walks up to Mr. Krabs and asks for a refund, and it's like two dollars. But Mr. Krabs just like starts weeping. <laughs> He's like, "Please, no! Don't take it away from me." <laughs> okay, and then the other issue of contention is more on the SAG side. So, regarding the AI initiatives that they are negotiating, SAG is claiming that the studios still want to stick in this provision, and we might have talked about this before, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I'm almost sure we have, but we okay. have discussions before and after filming these podcasts. It very much could have been during one of those off-camera conversations. Yeah, correct. Um, so SAG is claiming that the studios are still requ- wanting every single actor, every single background actor specifically, to agree to scan themselves and then sign off those rights to that digital double in perpetuity for use in whatever the studios want. Wait Basically meaning, yep. We did talk about this because I remember saying on the podcast that this was literally a plot point in season two of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You did say that. Um, I, I thought it was wacky. I thought I was like, this is such an absurdist humor approach to this. And now it's in real life. So what? what's what? Ah, Ruben, continue. Before so it's basically the studios are trying to find a way to save money. And their way of saving money is basically trying to cut out the need of background actors. They're not saying it directly, but that's exactly what this initiative is like proposing. Because what, what's going to happen when they have enough scans? They'll just not hire background actors and just stick a bunch of actors that they have scanned in in the background with CGI in post-production. So it'll basically be even more of green screen fests than what they are now. Like even effing dramas will probably film with green screens if this is what goes through. Like those days of like the gladiator set having like a bunch of extras in the background would be gone. That's what this is. Yeah. That's what hey, they're that's Ruben, what they're after. Yeah, we send we save about uh, 10% of the of the of the revenue for the third quarter this way. Exponential growth. Yeah. It has to be exponential growth. But the price of eggs, it was it's still gonna go up. The pr- egg Ruben, you don't have to shop for groceries, but have you seen how much eggs cost nowadays? They keep going up, they keep going up. JQ, you already gave your general opinions here, but like what, what's your thoughts on the studios still pushing for this initiative that would probably fundamentally change filmmaking in general? Let's be real. Like if this goes through the ways movies and television that have been made for the last hundred years would go out the door. Not to be too dramatic, but that's exactly what would happen here. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> movies. How can we not be dramatic? It's... That's true. <laughs> um, it's stupid. It's it's yeah. stupid because at this point, like, it also, I want all of you people who are complaining about who have been complaining about these five because it's like millionaires asking for more money to really take notice of this in particular. Because if this happens, it's only the millionaires who are going to keep making money. It's only the A-listers. Yep. It's only the B-listers. It's only the top dogs. And the people who are trying to slum it, trying to make a living out of something that they really care about, aren't going to be able to make a living. Hell, but like, it, it only protects the A-listers now. 
Because let's say, like, look at Simu Lu. Like, Simu Lu started as, like, a guy who did, like, photo shoots. Like, stock photos, yeah. For stock photos, exactly. Let's say, like, something like that. He signs away his likeness. Uh-oh, you're not, you can't be an A-lister anymore. The studio owns your goddamn rights as an actor. So you're never going to make A-list money. They're going to be able to uh, negotiate down a deal, like, saying, oh, well, if you don't sign this, uh, we'll just use your digital double here. I'm talking, like, 20, 30 years down the road. But yeah. like it's you know, like yeah like they need to get these protections in now because like this technology is only going to keep advancing more and more as we go forward. Yeah, I, I just I, I just know that Raphael Bob Waxberg is just kicking himself in the ass right now for for writing that into Bojack. <laughs> he's like, why did I? He's like, I was joking. I was kidding. It was a gag. It was a goof. No, but it's it's so it's it's just. And they're really steadily just trying to get and guys like this isn't just for actors they're just trying to get rid of all of us you know they don't want us to be out there making stuff and maybe that or like they don't want us out there working they don't want us out there if they can save a buck they'll cut us out and the worst part is like i I mean like i know most of us don't want to work you know most of us don't want to clock into a factory job or whatnot but we need to get paid and if they're not going to give us like the recourses needed to survive unless we work and they take away our right to work, then like, what, what are we even doing here? You know, like they, they, they're slowly trying to outphase us. And, and AI can be a powerful tool. It can be a very important tool in the future. And I, I don't think we should discredit it completely, but we've got to be careful about it. Sci-fi author after sci-fi author, philosopher after philosopher over the last 100, 150 years has, have warned us about this time and time again. Asimov, you know, Asimov's done it. Herbert's done it magnificently in his Dune books. Um, God, who else? Oh, what, who, who wrote Brave New World? Give me a second. Give me a second. I now have a dual screen so I can actually, I can actually look this up. Aldous Huxley. Yep. They all gave us beautiful insight into like the potential dangers of a future like this. And we just keep ignoring it. And we keep we we are making fiction into reality by by continuing to ignore the things that we're doing. So like maybe you don't like the actors, maybe you think they're elitist, maybe you think they're all in Epstein's little black book. But this is gonna affect all of us at some point. So this is the front line. Gotta care about it. They're not gonna listen to Joe Schmo, the electric company bro. You know, the soapbox come from man. Let me just stop. Let's get off of this. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing. <laughs> All right. To keep going. Here we go. Um, real quick. Uh, the Eras Tour Taylor Swift movie became the highest grossing concert movie ever. $96 million opening. I saw and- footage online of people in the movie theaters on their feet with like glow sticks singing along with the songs. It's and- a concert movie. Y'all are delusional. Jonathan, Jonathan, have you gone to a Marvel movie in the last five years? Yeah. 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 Okay. No one got up and started dancing. Bro, have you watched clips? People will get up. There's a guy who did a backflip during No Way Home. That's fatherless activities right there, bro. (laughs) That's not everyone. Jonathan, this is fine. It's that type of environment. It's all I'm saying. Like, Jesus, it's like an event film. Let people live. Uh, I can't even, I can't even like, 
You know what? I really can't even talk crap. I was about to try to make a comparison. And then I realized that in making that comparison, I would also be criticizing myself. So yeah, you know, thank you. Dance away. Dance away to your, yes. to your, to your heart. Like, like actually though. No. Yeah. And also I've said it before. If the music touches you, if you're actually impacted in it and it makes a change in your life, I, who am I to judge? You know, thank you. just don't go around putting other artists down because you love Taylor so much. All right. I, I draw the line there. I will ask you to sh kindly shut the hell up. If you try to convince me that someone like Kendrick Lamar, or if we're going way back into the past, someone like Claude Debussy hasn't had a bigger impact on music. <laughs> the concept, not the people. The people is a completely different thing. Taylor has had a massive impact on the people. And whether or not you like her, you have to admit that. And you have to respect it. We love to see a woman succeed, bro. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up. Um, so some of the bigger, one of the big news stories that dropped after the end of the writer's strike. Uh, Jonathan, you are going to uh, complain that we're talking about this. Apparently, the Halloween rights, uh, the TV rights, film rights, landed with Miramax. And they have announced that they are doing a, get this, a cinematic universe with the Halloween property. Yay. They were in a bidding war with A24 and the A24 lost, by the way. I don't think I told you that factoid. <laughs> Man, you look really annoyed by that one. Come on, Java, speak your mind. Speak. What I want to say, I can't say because Mob listens to this podcast. <laughs> Beautiful. But look, look but Halloween it... Ends was probably one of our best rants ever um, on this podcast. I'm so sad I missed it. That was a quasi cube. Yeah, that was a squared. What we now yeah. called squared with me and Jacob. Uh, yeah. So if, you, if you're curious, go back and listen. But uh, that movie, that movie was bad, man. <laughs> that movie was so bad. Like, uh, my God, so they, they bring that, in a that, random kid as the main character in the third movie. Remake, yeah, that remake start. That remake trilogy started off so promising. Honestly, they should not. Should, look, should have just been a standalone thing. People are obsessed with this multiple movie concept. Make one good movie at a goddamn time. Stop with the cinematic universe bullshit. This is Tamir Max. You Weinstein MFers, all right? First of all, I think you should really be focusing on making sure that your boy doesn't get the electric chair because I will be voting for that. <laughs> I think, like, one movie at a time. How many times have people tried to make a series out of the Halloween movies? How many reboots? How many rewrites? How many alternate timelines of Halloween do we have at this point? Why do you want to make another one? Make one good movie at a time. You see, if this went to A24, we probably would have gotten one of the best, if not the best, Halloween movie since John Carpenter's. But no, it went to freaking Miramax, a company that will not release the rights to Dogma so that I can watch it without pirating it. Beautiful, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm it's sorry. a TV. It's a TV series, apparently, and they're oh do, fuck me. <laughs> they're doing TV and movies, apparently. Um, I, I look that look. I think the entire cinematic universe thing is kind of like uh, Marvel. Kind of, Mar we're Marvel kind of past has, its uh, expiration date on Marvel it. Marvel has become the Oppenheimer 
of, of cinematic universes. Now I probably I wore become, that like 10 years ago. Now I have were... become death, destroyer of arts. <laughs> Bro, there was, I mean, they have tried so many cinematic universes. We have the DCEU, which they still tried. They Garbage. had uh, <laughs> the dark universe. Bro, that, no. Don't even bring that up. With uh, that is with, a still, universe. That, that, was, that, is, a, was that is a stillborn baby of a of a universe. That thing did that thing. It didn't, Ruben. It didn't. It didn't come out. It's not real. It's well, not the, real. There was a logo that opened the Mummy movie, so it was technically real. Yeah, and the, have you heard of this? Have you ever heard of the saddest short story of all time? The shortest, the shortest short story of all time, written by Ernest Hemingway. What was it? Okay, give me some. You're still okay. Five words. I think it's literally just five words. Mm-hmm. Baby shoes, new, never worn. That's the dark universe. <laughs> That's the dark universe. My goodness, JQ. Wait, let me <laughs> double check. Okay. Well, me... anyway, there's, I mean, I guess. For the... sale, baby shoes, never worn. That's what it is. That's the dark universe. <laughs> But yeah, like if you're curious, look up Dark Universe logo and have a laugh because that played before a grand total of one movie for the entire thing to laugh. And there's also the cast photo with Johnny Depp, Javier Bardem, Russell Crowe, Tom Cruise. Uh, who else was in it? There was, there was who, who was playing the Bride of Frankenstein? I can't was remember. Was Angelina Jolie? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it was Angelina Jolie. I kind of wanted that Frankenstein movie with Angelina Jolie and Javier Bardem. Yeah, that's the only one. That's the only one. um, Then there's Johnny Depp's Invisible Man. They were gonna do. I. It was. I'm looking up. I'm looking up the photo. You you would think that their plans were a little more solid, um, and like not relying on a single film if they did all of that. Hey, but because of that, we got um. You know, we got uh, that Invisible Man movie that came out in 2018. That was pretty. That is true. Good. That was pretty good. And uh, now we're getting a Frankenstein movie with what Oscar Isaac. Um, we got the last it? Voyage of the Demeter. Oh year. my gosh, that came out this year. That did, yeah. What that movie? I was seeing news about. I, I saw a trailer of for it every time I went to. What? How did it? How was it received? Okay, we're looking so, this up. Continue, Ruben. I'm looking it up. Also, also, I'm um, seeing it in this article as well. Blumhouse was also bidding for the new Halloween rights, which I guess, uh, you know, would kind of kind of make sense because they made the last three Halloween movies. <laughs> um, but look, to give yes. my thoughts on the Halloween Two movie thing, there. yeah, to give my thoughts on the Halloween movie thing, look, if if they were able to somehow somehow go back to like the concept John Carpenter had. Don't make it all Michael Myers. It was supposed to be alternating like stories. It was supposed to be an anthology series. That's why it's called Halloween. It, like, I kind of want to see that. I want to see them make more of like Halloween 3, but good. I want them to just make an anthology of a bunch of unique stories that just happen to be in the same universe. Do that. I, I'd be very interested in seeing that. I don't want to see I don't want to see the mom of Michael Myers. Michael Myers is rises. The son of Michael Myers, uh, Michael meets Michelle and have, have a kid. <laughs> like, like all of that jazz. I don't want to see. We've gotten too much Michael Myers. Like, here's my thing. 
when they're when they're like like Ruben said, that third Halloween movie did not have Michael Myers. Everyone's confused because the first one was such a success that Carpenter was like, okay, we'll make a second one with Michael just to wrap that story up and then we'll move on. It was supposed to be um, a duology. Like yeah, just two films. Yeah, and then it would keep going. And that third movie is so weird because it's about like haunted masks, essentially. Yeah, it's um <laughs> which like what the hell? First of all, remake that one. I want a remake of that one. After that, it's all the return of Michael Myers, the revenge of Michael Myers, the curse of Michael Myers, Halloween 20 years later, Halloween Resurrection. Then you got the two Rob Zombie Halloween movies that are void of really weird. Reason. They're there for violence. That's it. It's Rob Zombie's entire brand is just the macabre. It's just to get. It's just the dark and the twisted. There's no. There's no reason behind it. And then we have Halloween 2018, great movie. And then we have two shitters, all in Michael Myers. How much can you say about Michael Myers at this point? The man is a killer. We 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 know. We know. We know what he does. He's maybe the boogeyman. And like the part of the charm with this last set was that Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. Like you don't have that anymore. What, what are you gonna do? Recast Laurie Strode? Only a couple years after saying farewell to Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode, you can't do that. That's messed up. Like it, it just won't work. You're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do an anthology. I, and if they don't, they really are effing up. I don't want to watch no eight part mini like season of Michael Myers, which is what I bet this is gonna be. <laughs> like, it's almost certain they would. Yeah, it's hundred percent gonna be. Like, and I mean, oh my like, god, like, let's find out what happened in Michael's childhood and have a flashback in every single episode that's punctuated by the end of every episode. Him doing a random kill that's very similar to every single Halloween movie. I mean, I guess I can just not watch. You know, I don't know why I'm whining. I, I guess I'm not. I'm probably just not gonna watch this. But I was gonna say, yeah, I'm whining because the property and really because I don't think there should be any more made. It's a waste of creative talent that. You can't have a movie called stuff. Halloween Ends come out last year and then announce we're gonna do more a year later. It's just that's so where you're funny. wrong. That's where you're wrong. Well, you're, you're, you're wrong. You're right. You're right. You can do that. I mean, I guess Avengers Endgame was in the title of that movie in that movie. And it should have ended there. <laughs> well, I guess we we haven't gotten an Avengers movie for like what like five years five now. Years. And it's gonna be like long. Oh my god! All over Instagram, you know, Avengers Endgame starts this month. It started in October of 2023. That's, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a cool factoid, right? It's fictional, man. <laughs> it's a cool fictional factoid. Look, when you're setting an endgame in 2019, it, it's really weird to think ahead that five years later, you're living in it now. That's kind of cool. That is it's cool. It's cool. It's, and it, and cool. it's about the same vibe, too, after COVID and after the exactly. election. And after it's really weird. That movie was kind of prophetic. 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 I said it prophetic. Was, it was prophetic. pathetic. No, I'm joking. I really no, like that. Movie. No, end games really good. <laughs> I really uh, okay. like the, the the first 10 years of Marvel are pretty solid. Also, uh, to complete uh, the last point I was talking about, uh, not well. Not well is how the last voyage of the Demeter was was, was received. Forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a two yeah, I didn't do on well. Letterboxd. It didn't do well critically or financially. What either. a shock. It looked like shit. <laughs> who knew that the who knew that the boat Dracula movie w- wouldn't be good? <laughs> what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. This okay. is impossible. <laughs> All right. And the last piece of news. Renowned actor Michael Caine. Why would you open it like that? It makes it sound like he died. You just you <laughs> 
I you didn't even let me finish. You interrupted me. Michael Caine at 90 years old has said that his uh movie, The Great Escaper, that was released earlier in October, is going to be his final film. Hereby, um, just saying Michael Caine's retired from acting. And you know, that's sad for any fan of film. Um, because I mean, even even the most general of audiences probably saw Christopher Nolan's Batman and like Michael Caine was a great Alfred in those. Yeah. And Michael Caine's been acting since he was 20. So Michael Caine's been acting for 70 years, literally the majority of his life. Absolutely wild. And like the impact he's going to leave two time Academy award winner, um, bunch of bunch of projects throughout the years. Um, I don't have the exact number of projects in front of me, but um, Jonathan, anything to say about Michael Caine while I look this up? While you look it up, yeah. Um, you know, honestly, not not much that you haven't already said. Like the dude is phenomenal. He's at least one hundred and ten movies. Yeah. he's been in. He yeah. he has been he, he has been a phenomenal actor in almost all of them. Uh, I mean, the frequent collaborator, of- yeah, with Chris Nolan yeah. recently. And also, uh, he was in one of the most influential movies of all time, Jaws 4, The Revenge. He doesn't remember filming that. I don't know. No, that's not what it was. I think no, 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 no. He said, he said, I don't remember filming that. I remember the house it bought me. That's what he said. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. So, you know what? Sometimes it's a paycheck, man. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> but no, regardless of that. Like the man, the man's talented. I love, I loved him in every Nolan film that he's in. Like Ruben said, like you know him as Alfred. He is, uh, I think, Alfred is such a, it, it, it's such a great role, and you gotta nail it right. I think we take it for granted how how many good Alfreds we've had. I don't think we've had a bad live action Alfred, but Michael Caine is was a phenomenal one. Um, but yeah, I mean. The fact that this man stepping down isn't even sad to me. I, I, I'd say it's more it's it's like good for him. Let him enjoy his retirement. Let him let him take his final bow. He's done enough. He's done enough great stuff. He's left his mark on the art form, and you know now is the time to to step out and enjoy what's left of your life, man. I mean, you don't have to work forever, and it doesn't mean that you still can't enjoy film or engage in it or finance it or whatnot. But you know. It, it, it's 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 a good thing to step away i think at times as sad as it may be um you know finality is a a constant in life and this is just another example of it so yeah also in recently inception interstellar uh tenet it was also in <coughs> cars too i guess ah! <laughs> Another, I'm, I'm naming phenomenal, more recent another phenomenal recent, performance. I'm naming recent stuff people might know him from. My bad. Okay. Uh he was in Going with Going in Style. That was also the Prestige. <laughs> the Prestige. I love how you're naming like these phenomenal movies, and every once in a while you'll throw in one that's like, bro, what the hell? He also won a Oscar for two different movies. Uh one was Cider House Rules. And the other one, I accidentally closed the page. Uh oh. God damn it, Ruben. Oh, you God that's, damn not, it. That's, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever, man. Was it in- oh, here we go. Hannah and her sisters was the other one. Okay. 
So he Either... won. He was nominated six total times, won twice. So renowned actor, Muppet Christmas Carol. Another, oh my god! Another How thing he's like really well known for. He was great in that. I, if you haven't watched huge. Muppet Christmas Carol, lie. yeah, watch that this holiday season. <laughs> That's a really like touching yeah. movie. I don't know, Ruben. Did you mention Dunkirk? Dunkirk. Dun- Dunkirk. Now you see me as well. Yeah. Uh, the two, those two movies. Kingsman. Did you say Kingsman? Yeah, I just did. <laughs> you just did. Uh, Kingsman. He was in the first Kingsman movie. Great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was in Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> he was in a lot of things, man. <laughs> he was man, in. Yeah. He had a cameo in Austin. One of the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. Just a phenomenal and diversified career. Like the man yeah. would do anything. Like he loved acting. Like he yeah. loved his craft, and he was great at his craft. For like, it, it, yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, like the man, like whether good or bad, he was down for it because it meant another chance to stand out there and do and, and like contribute to the to the art of creation. And you know what? That's respectable in my in my eyes. I'd say that is a wholly respectable. The the good and the bad to be part of both of them, you know, screw it. Just making stuff is fun. Like sometimes every project doesn't pan out, but there's something to be said about yourself and humanity through the things that you create. And even the worst piece of garbage can be examined and and, and we can learn something about ourselves from it. Or you know? we could just have a good, good old time, you know? Anyone can cook, as they told our our rat, dearly beloved rat, departed friend. Martin, I don't remember his name. Ruben, why did I write it down? Why did I write it down, Ruben? Okay, and now to the main topic of today's show. Uh, oh, real quick, we did mention we were going to review the creator, but we we're going to wait till Jacob's on to review that all together. Real quick, really like it. Go see it before it leaves theaters. It didn't do that well. It and it needs to be seen on the big watch screen. In theaters. This thing costs like 80 million to make, and it looks better than half of the freaking output of things that are coming out. And not only does it look great, not only is the action great. Uh, I mean, we, we have who, who's it? Oh, what's his name? Frazier. Frazier. No, no, what's his name? Uh, Greg Frazier. Greg Frazier. Yeah. Phenom- Again, I remember at the very end of the movie, I was like, oh my God, it looks so good. That's phenomenal. And then I saw his name pop up and I was like, oh, duh. Greg, it's Greg, Greg voice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, what a shock. Greg cooked again. <laughs> no, but 80 million to make this. It makes me wonder how many of these films coming out today are money laundering schemes because there's no way that you're- No, spending- they just don't know how to spend their money. So they- you're you're that- horrible. You're horrible at compartmentalizing. This movie, I think this movie in the long run, first of all, cult classic. Second of all, second of all, it's going to revolutionize the way that movies are made eventually, I think. People are going to look back on this and be like, this is the model we should be following. Look how good this thing looked. Look how much it cost. This is the way to make movies. Anyway, that's my little... In the same way the Avatar revolutionized 3D technologies, this will revolutionize how films are made more guerrilla style to get those like original concepts out there instead of the ips this is how they're going to do it yeah and i am really yeah. excited ruben looked it up afterwards yeah it's like gorilla or was it james it was one of you two it was, it was both of us we both yeah it, it, it was they, they like filmed this thing in like a gorilla style gorilla g-u-e-r-i-l-l-a yeah, yeah. so they used yeah. a uh a cheaper camera like a camera and i think uh the director shit uh 
Gareth Edwards. Thank you, uh, Michael. Yeah, that, I was <laughs> thank, you, say Mike. thank you. I was gonna say, why did you say thank you? Like I said it. Like Gareth, <laughs> you're Gareth Edwards. Thank you, thank you myself. That's why I said thank you myself because uh, you're, you're right. You didn't say anything. Um, but Gareth Edwards bought like a three thousand dollar Sony camera, which is really cheap for a film camera. But like he was trying to prove that any Joe Schmo off the street can go grab a camera and like film a Hollywood quality movie. I think that was the point he was trying to make. And this looked great. Um, and the other thing he did, um, our friend James, who was on the podcast at the beginning of the year, oh, hopefully we gotta we'll, get him back on. <laughs> we are going to get him back on. Um, but basically, uh, he said that what they did to save money, which is what everyone should do, instead of the fix it in post attitude, the attitude was finalize it in post. It was get a final cut of the movie and then add visual effects in, which mind blowing. Which, that like means- to me, it's like, why haven't they been doing that the whole time? It seems so obvious, right? Like, why even bother with like? It's because like uh, studios like Marvel and I like Marvel stuff. What Marvel will do is they'll make like ten different versions of like a movie, and yeah. then they'll like eventually release the final version. Which of that. is like, I mean, like. It's just not it's just not a good way to make film. You know what I mean? Every day I agree just a little bit more with Scorsese. Not to say that I don't like the Marvel movies, not to say that I don't like the ones that have that haven't made, but the ones that are being made now, I've really like grinded down to the point. This is not art. This is a corporate product. These are roller coasters. And like you know, we've we've like before you could be like, yeah, the roller coaster, but the roller coaster with emotion, with good characters, with really good acting, honestly. I think we can like we, we talked about it in our Oppenheimer review. Yeah. Like people are are, are lauding uh, Robert Downey Jr. for his performance in Oppenheimer, but it's nothing that he hasn't done already in the MCU. It isn't it's like that range of emotion, like it's refined in Oppenheimer. Yeah. It's a lot more it's better shot, it's better incorporated because it's it's in the hands of like a master of the craft. But I mean, the man is talented, and yes. you know there 100%. is there yeah there is um there's there's just so many good things you can do with film, and it's just not happening right now in Marvel. It's about hey, let's get product out, let's get a product out, let's get a product out. How much money can we make off of this? People are going to be more willing to take gambles on things like the creator if we film them gorilla, if they cost less, and if they're more concise and people respond to it better. And yeah, maybe it's not going to bring in the money that it should be bringing in, but I hope that the studios will pass that and like look at the fact that, hey, even though it didn't make that much money, it didn't lose that much money either because it, no, didn't, exactly. cost that. Yeah. it didn't cost that much to make. It's a low risk, high reward kind of thing, you know? We're, this is something that movies have been doing for generations. And it's something I watched the Cabin in the Woods yesterday. Um, which I mean, if you guys follow me on Letterboxd, I had I wrote an entire freaking essay on that thing because really good. But like one of the points that I brought up was like horror movies are an example. Like, and it's the reason why they get made so often. Things like Paranormal Activity or the Blair Witch Project, pennies, shoestring budget. How much did they make back? Buckets, buckets worth of money. Even if it had made half of that, they would have made like an exorbitant return. So if you can cheapen the movie making process without cheapening the product itself, all to you. But we'll get more into like the nitty gritty of the creator with Jacob. This is just kind of us gushing on more yeah. of like the outside. Influence. In broad terms, let's save some yeah. stuff for the actual review. So we're going to yeah. review this with Jacob next time. We will also review uh, Killers of the Flower Moon next time. Oh my God. And I, in comes, the interim... Ruben, when does that come Next out? week. Next week. No! Yeah. Are you serious? On next Friday, yeah. 
I didn't know it was that soon. Yeah, less than a week. I am putting on my my good socks, baby. We're going. <laughs> We're going to the movies. We're going to the movies. We're going. No, to that, the movie films. Looks, that movie that looks. That looks phenomenal. That movie looks incredible. That's gonna be the second ever Scorsese movie I watch. Can you believe that? I that's the American director I've seen the least of. Wait, wait, what? What other? You saw The Shining? No, not The Shining. What the hell? The, the Shining? I was gonna Kubrick? say Shutter Island. I was gonna say Shutter Island. Not no, because you watched it without me. You that's prick. right. Uh, <laughs> what? Which Wall Street? Wolf, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street, Street which I watch of... with you. I'll give you that. Yeah, Thank no, you. but like, uh, Scorsese is is the I've I've missed a lot of his stuff, which is which is weird because like it seems right up my alley. Things like Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. Goodfellas, Casino. Frank, I'll watch all of them. I just, I can't right now because it's October and I'm into my spooky season. We're watching a lot of spooky shit. But also October. Oh, Ruben, you're going to love this segue. Oh, you're going to love this segue. Oh, wait, 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 real real quick. quick. Damn it! You just tripped me! This is like that scene in Paul Blart where the dog starts jumping at him and then gets run over. Oh my god! What a deep cut for the audience there. Yeah. Half the people are not. I know. know what that I is. know my audience. I know they've all seen Paul Blart one, and I know that just like me, they have made an in-depth film analysis essay, which can be found on Letterbox. Uh, the, follow me at JQ Cinema. JQ spelled J A Y Q U E. Cinema spelled exactly how you would expect it to be spelled. You did not write no Paul Blart video essay. I essay. didn't, but I will now. <laughs> I, I dare you. I dare For you, you, Bruce. For you, Bruce Willis. Oh, that's another. Yeah, we forgot to mention that too. But yeah, I mean, just just hearts out to Bruce Willis. He's apparently going through it right now. Like, with the, but yeah, like just, just. Yeah, I wasn't really going to mention it because there's not really more we can add, sadly. It's just a sad yeah. situation. They're just yeah. said Bruce I, isn't fully verbal anymore. Yeah. I saw I that news, but I, I don't think I we know should what milk, else to yeah. say. I was gonna say I don't exactly. think we should milk it because I would feel bad for taking. It feels up weird. Time. And I would. I'd feel bad taking up time in a in a in a film podcast talking about a personal dude situation for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, for entertainment, no, exactly because like, exactly because no Bruce Willis. We we talked about Bruce Willis and his career and his impact when the news originally came out, and we talked about Michael Caine today because it's his impact on film. Yeah. What he's leaving behind, but yeah, I feel like at this point we'd be milking the situation yeah. a little bit because there's not really. Yeah. but my hearts are out to Bruce yeah. and his family as Our well. Our hearts out to that out. man because I don't care how many crappy movies that man made later in his career, the ones that he made that are good, some of the best, some of the best, legitimately. Anyway, continue. unbreakable. Okay, yeah. um, so <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say, so yeah, next podcast will be the creator and killers of the flower moon. In the interim before that podcast, I will probably release a solo pod on here. Uh, review, Yeah, reviewing Spider-Man 2, the video game, because you guys aren't going to be able to talk about it. So I figured I'd just do a little mini pod in between um, and see Love how that me. goes. This is a audio form, so you can't see me frowning right now because I don't own a PS5. You can't see me slowly reaching for the voodoo doll that I've made of Ruben. <laughs> and stabbing a needle into his little into his little toesies. <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Toesies. But come on, Dom. That game. I hate you. I that hate game looks amazing, man. Shut up! I know it looks amazing. Like what? A, I hope it sucks. I it hope won't. it sucks so that you don't enjoy it. Wow. I know, I know it won't. Isn't that bad for you as well? Because yeah, eventually I, you will play it. I'm gonna. I was gonna say like, uh, I can't. I can't talk smack either because it's insomniac. 
those guys really haven't turned out a bad game like ever like subpar maybe like yeah. uh well, what's it called uh sunset boulevard is that what it was yeah 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 yeah. that's it that's it yeah i like here like that one was all right you know was it sunset boulevard it was not sunset boulevard what was it it wasn't i thought it was insomniac sunset what Sunset Overdrive. Thank Sunset you. Sunset Overdrive. Okay. I hear the gameplay is great. Story, not so much. <laughs> but my point is, they have not turned out like a horrible game. Subpar, maybe. Bad, no. Yeah, that's great. Right. Freaking one of the best in the industry right now. The only thing keeping them from being the best is the fact that Rockstar is out there turning out masterpieces that are the size of freaking Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> Rockstar games. <laughs> no, I good. I got. I need to play those Uncharted games at some point. Anyway, you do. You do. To get back okay. to my to get back to my segue. Go for it's it. October. I've been watching a lot of spooky shit. You know, in the last few in the last few days, I've seen. Let's see. I've seen Silence of the Lambs, which Jesus, I cannot believe it took me so long to watch. A phenomenal. The Descent, Cabin in the Woods, another phenomenal one. The Babadook, and you know, October is a great time for this this spooky stuff, but. Uh, it also marks the, I believe, 20th anniversary, was it, Ruben, or 25th? 25th, right? Yep. 25th anniversary of one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest pieces of media to come out. October uh, 23rd, it turns 25. Asteroid Blues turns 25. We are talking about... Something that we have been wanting to talk about this on the podcast for a long time, and, and we're taking this opportunity. Uh, yeah, Jacob's not here, and we're the only ones who have seen it. We're taking this opportunity. Yeah, we're taking control here. Cowboy Bebop, my man. <laughs> yeah, Cowboy Bebop, one of oh, Ruben, if not. Hear, wait, Ruben went mute. Oh wait, no, he did it. He in unplugged my, himself. In my, in my excitement. I knocked out my headphones. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> Sorry. All okay, right. So, Cowboy Bebop, one of the greatest uh, animes ever made, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, I haven't watched it enough to say that. The thing. Yeah, Ruben really can't say that. I can't even say that because I haven't seen like the modern stuff. I'm more of an old, older generation. I, I've seen this. I've seen Evangelion. Another Evangelion is one of, I think, again, for me, the things that have had the biggest impact on me creatively are probably Evangelion, Attack on Titan, another phenomenal con- uh, another phenomenal manga, and also uh, a anime. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else, but those are like two of the big ones. But yeah, Cowboy Bebop is up there. It's up there. It's yeah, up with there. Those, with those are two. Yeah. Look, look. Okay, so I feel like we can give you different perspectives because you've watched the original Japanese, right? Correct. Yeah, that's what you I watched. watched I, yeah, I watched the dub. That's the version I watched when I was watching. And Ruben, this is the only time where I think that is 100% acceptable. I looked that up before watching it, not, not going to lie, because I always look that up. I always look up if like a dub is as good as a sub before yeah, I watch no, it. This is one of the ones where like they're really interchangeable because this was, I think, oh my God, what's his name? Steve? Is it Steve Blum? Steve Blum. Steve Blum it is the guy his, who plays. It's yeah. his big, it was his big break. And this guy you know him trust me you know him if you don't know him you know his voice i think I'm he talking. did wolverine for a long wolverine, time yeah uh spike in this he played green lantern in, in a few in a few renditions of the character heat blast and ben 10 and ben in the ben 10 uh series uh he's he's taken a turn at solomon grundy he's taken a shot at lex luther of course there have been several you know interpretation of these characters 
Amon from the first le- uh, from the first season of Legend of Korra. He is, uh, in my opinion, the definitive voice of Sub Zero. Phenomenal, phenomenal voice acting chops on this guy. Um, so when we're talking about when we're talking about dub or sub, this is one of the few instances where very much. I mean, I, I got to give love to the rest of that dub cast too. I don't know all of their names, but they're all. They're all great, but yeah, they, they, they knocked it out of the park with this one. They knew what they were doing. They understood the assignment and they executed. So, you know what? All right. To give a foundational background on Cowboy Bebop before we like delve into it. So it is set in the future, 2070s about like in in the 2020s, there was an accident with a hyperspace gateway, which basically made the Earth uninhabitable. So what humanity did was they went across the solar system, our solar system, and they inhabited different asteroids, different moons, different little planetoids. I don't even know that's an actual thing. I just made up a word, no, probably. No, no, it's a, a, that's a word. Let me look at this. I up. think. Keep, keep talking, yeah. vamp. But basically, what <laughs> um, they they basically like all inhabited these areas, and it basically becomes the wild, wild west out here. So everyone's just running wild. There's no united government. Yep. Planetoid is another word for asteroid. <laughs> so I just said asteroid twice. Good <laughs> okay, job, perfect. dumbass. I love movies like a king of comedy. And Joker. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. It's the same thing. Stop interrupting me. So basically, humanity inhabits all these uh, little disparate uh, planetoids and moons. And what happens is the crime explodes across the galaxy. And there's no one to regulate it. So there's space. It's literally the Wild West. The ISSP, uh, the the police in this universe, uh, basically... Um, instigates a bounty hunting system to uh, ring in all this crime. And the people who go after these criminals are called uh, cowboys. And they chase these criminals across the galaxy and try to bring them in alive for a reward. And there's high stakes because everyone's poor. So everyone, almost everyone's trying to bounty hunt at some point in this uh, yeah. in this universe just so they can get to their next meal. And we follow the, the theory starts following two of these bounty hunters, uh, Spike Spiegel and Jet Black. Yeah, Ruben, I've seen this series already, and you're selling it to me again. Like I want to watch it again. Now. <laughs> yeah, no. So the series follows Spike Spiegel and Jet Black, and they, I mean, that first episode is oh. just them, and it's, I mean, it just really sets the vibe of the world. That the other first thing, episode yeah. is easily one of the best in that. It's a one season. It's a one season series. That's the other thing. It's an like, easy binge. It's an easy watch. Yeah. It's on Netflix. I yeah. want to say that before I forget. So if yeah. as we're talking about this, if you're curious and you yeah, feel Netflix, like we're giving too much away, go to Netflix, go watch the series and come back and listen to the rest of this conversation. It's on Netflix. Do not be confused with the live action one. Pick the one with yes. the animated characters correct, on it. Correct. And after yes, that, thanks, watch thanks Evangelion. Clar- yeah. After that, thanks watch for clarifying Evangelion. that. Yeah. After that, watch Evangelion. It's also just one season. I love because here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ruben. I love it. Like in one season of television, these guys are able to tell some of the most heart wrenching stories possible. Not only that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. In this in this episode, it's an episodic formula too. Like you have the the plot advances every once in a while, and, 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 like but it happens only every few episodes. It's really kind of like it's kind of like an anthology almost. Like you have these people in these different situations, and they're they're running. 
You know, there's a comedic tone to it, but I mean, there's a very comedic tone to it, but just listen to Ruben's description of it. Like I, I couldn't have described it better. Honestly, Ru, I could not have described it better than that. I really focus on Spike a lot of the time, but the world is screwed. Like everything sucks. It's a horrible state of mind. And yet they're, they're trying to kind of like make ends meet. And we're focusing more on like the slapstick on more of the funny aspect. This is a very troubling world. And I feel like to let Ruben continue uh, to kind of hand the baton back to him, the first yeah. episode really kind of does a beautiful job of setting the tone of, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a little goofy. However, this world is not, this world is anything but. The world where this is set, not funny. Like, this is not, this is very serious stuff. Yeah, so Jed, uh, Jed and Spike have been doing this for a while when you meet them in the first episode. So it's kind of like in media rest they've been hunting across. Yeah. And, they're, and you... And you like go with them on their next few adventures, and throughout these adventures, they're later joined by who becomes the full crew of the Cowboy Bebop. You have another uh, female bounty hunter that comes along, uh, Faye Valentine, who yeah. was uh, more of a con artist at first, but also bounty hunting at the same time. Like I said, everyone's just trying to get like meet yeah. ends meet in this galaxy. Then they go to Earth, and you see the state Earth's in. There's this uh, homeless child who's just wandering around called ed and then ed eventually ends up coming on the bebop and ed's an expert at hacking um i never clear how ed learned those skills but uh no no but but, but they're a genius but ed, <laughs> yeah, yeah but ed's a genius in this yeah, show Ed's a genius and then there's this uh there's a uh, intelligent corgi. The corgi doesn't talk, but it's an intelligent corgi. I love the corgi. I love... If I get a corgi, I'm sorry. It's gonna be called Ein. All right. Yes, the corgi short called for Einstein. Ein. Yeah, Einstein, short for yeah. Einstein. Yeah. And that that dog is introduced in the second episode, actually technically yeah. before Faye. But um, God, I love that dog. But that's the Bebop. The Bebop, Spike, Jet, Faye, Ed, and Ein. Yeah. And that crew just goes together on their various adventures. What I love about the show, like you were alluding to, um, it's episodic in nature, but it also advances like the story. But what I love on the way they advance the story is each character will get their own episode. Like Jed will have his own episode when he's like talking with a former cop um, yeah. who worked with him. Because sorry, I didn't mention it. Jed's a former cop. Yeah, well, here's uh, the with, thing, with the IS, ISSP. The you yeah. might not have mentioned it, but that's the point. We're brought all of these characters. It's this is like prime example of found family first of all yeah. like i can this is probably I, i've got to assume this is probably one of james gunn's main inspirations right like, i was gonna say on. like like 100 cowboy bebop inspired guardians of the galaxy yeah looking at 100%. guardians looking at like suicide squad tech i mean granted not a, like a space setting but especially guardians you can feel that, that you can feel the inspirations um but yeah the entire the entire thing is that this is a found family so we know an, a, a we know uh, like enough as as much about these characters as the other characters know about these characters you know we're introduced to all these people that's kind of random we get you know we get characterization done really well we have Faye. we know that she's she, she's a trickster she's really quick-witted she's like intelligent quick on her feet all of that we know we have spike there's this cool dude very very subtle very very smooth very low-key you you can tell he's hiding a lot of pain under this kind of facade of like easy going this you have jet very stoic very very you know very pragmatic i Ayn is a dog i mean there's not really much more you can get into I and then ed you know we, we know she's she's a comedic. Gay, whatever we know they're a hacker we know that they're the comedic inspiration and all that 
But like, that's as much as we know. And as we go along, the past of these characters starts to get un- 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 unveiled and like, it's disturbing. It- it's, it- it's, there's no other word for it. Like every single one of these characters is birthed from pain, is birthed from like the world, you know, the, the, the state of the world. They all come from difficult situations. And yeah, Ruben, carry on with Jet. Cause I mean, one of the things is that we're introducing him, he has like a robotic arm in the flashbacks of these episodes, I don't think he has that. <laughs> no, yeah, you learn. I don't want to give it away because you learn about these characters. Faye has a tragic past. She's a woman out of time, kind of like Captain America yeah. in some ways. Um, probably took some inspiration from Captain America, honestly. Yeah. Um, just the comics version. But yeah, she has that tragic past. You have Spike, who has a criminal past. Working for this bounty hunting, well, not bounty hunting. This criminal no, it organization, crime, oh crime syndicate. Uh, crime syndicate, Crimson's Crimson something. Let me let me look this up. Keep talking. the Red Dragon Syndicate. Uh, thank you. Yeah, okay. I, I made I some didn't notes. Even, I, I didn't have to. I didn't even have. You took notes. Jesus Christ. Oh, I well, I didn't actually take notes. I just have like yeah. a couple pages. I, I came in with a song in my heart. <laughs> I just really wanted to gush over this. Thing. Yeah, no, anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Spike has a. Yeah, yeah. Spike's a part of that, and it's kind of a John Wick situation where technically he's not out of it. You know, he's not yeah. out of it. They're, they're, and here's the thing. Here's the cool thing. What I was talking about. It's episodic, and every few episodes you have like these moments of like, oh, the plot's progressing. That's one of the main things. The the syndicate, especially Vicious, which I mean, shitty name for a villain, but I mean, we'll we'll, we'll let it pass. It was the nineties. Yeah. It was Edge Lord period. All right, this is when we got. This is where we got characters like Sephiroth and Shadow the Hedgehog. I'll let it pass. All right. This is not the worst defender. It's not nearly the worst defender. Yeah, yeah. But true. Vicious will catch I hate that name. Vicious <laughs> will catch up to Spike several times. And as dumb as that name is, this man is nothing to laugh about. Like this, this dude's dangerous. This dude, every time he shows up, Spike, I think, nearly, nearly dies. This dude gets injured to high hell. And it's it's you you realize, and there are several. Um, you know, there are several um video essays that I mean, as we talk, I'm gonna pull them up because I have them saved. There's several vi- video essays that really delve into this, but we have a story where it's episodic, but it, it constantly the characters are also it, it, the reason it, the episodic nature works so well is because the characters are running away from the past. They're looking for these little moments of reprieve. They're looking for these bounties to to break to to have a break from the reality of their lives, from the mystery of it, from the danger of it. And that's what this show is. It's an episodic comedic show about, about broken people looking for ways to not be broken or avoiding their past, or in some cases, running to it, running to certain aspects of the past, trying to claim things that they've lost, and ultimately, no spoilers, not being able to do so. So the like, tragedy of the Cowboy Bebop is all these people are together they're getting along great. They have this found family dynamic, but the, the real tragedy eventually is that none of them are able to embrace that family that they have found with each other. They all go running to their past without giving away everything that happens in the show. The show's heart-wrenching. It's hilarious, but then at the end, it tears out your heart because the characters don't see what's right in front of them, I guess. Yeah. That's that's my read of the show. When I got to the that, end of it, no, that was my main read. Yeah. This is... This is a prime example of found family and lost family. A lot of people, there, because the, 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 because 
Now, again, not to like spoil massively because I want you guys to go into this relatively blind. Yeah. Um, and I know it's 25 years old, but this is just, this is like six cents to me where it's like, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to you if I spoil it, even though it's been out for forever now. But like, this is a story about people being so caught up with what they had that they're not focusing on what they have of the wonder of the things that they found. You know, and that's because this is life. This is a, a, a microcosm of life of how a lot of the times we'll yearn for the past and we won't even be focusing on the things that we've gained along the way. This is a family. They get along so well. There is a scene near the end of the show with hard-boiled eggs that nearly made me cry and which every time I rewatch it will nearly bring me to tears. But it emphasizes it again. These guys, as much as they like to pretend that they're not, friends that they're not family they're there they're together they they have found new meaning from their brokenness and the tragedy of it like Ruben said is that they decide to leave that because the past is just too powerful in its callings again uh, a few people that you want to look into um for for video essays beyond ghibli has this two-part oh jesus sorry i got a bit of i'm fighting a, i'm fighting the beginnings of a cold uh, so pardon me if I'm. An, I hope the endings of a cold fingers yeah. crossed. But yeah, continue. oh yeah, because uh, you know, I I'm a trumpet player, singer, server. I can't afford to be sick. It's literally against the well being of of my career. Like I can't just go into work sick. You know, you can't sing or play trumpet when you're sick. I mean, you can. It's not gonna be great. Anyway, um, yeah. for video essays beyond Ghibli, this is this is the main guy or beyond Ghibli. How do you pronounce it? He has a two part video essay called A Fistful of Wulongs, which really goes into Cowboy Bebop beautifully. Uh, and then cine Cinema Cartography has a video called Cowboy Bebop, The Meaning of Nothing, another phenomenal uh, one. And th those are the main ones. I mean, there are a few other ones here that, courtesy of my friend James, he sent a few more. The Real Folk Blues, Where Does Cowboy Bebop Come From Under the Scope? And then you're going to carry that weight. Uh, Yeeg Studios, Yeeg spelled Y-G-G. But I think all of these guys will go into this in a, in a, to a level that we are only going to like scratch the surface of in this yeah. podcast. Well, let's There's talk so much about, to say about this show. Yeah, there is. Let's talk about like how music is incorporated into this show. Ruben, I thought you would never ask. Oh my. Okay. So Ruben, basically. Oh the, my God, Ruben. The what, show, what have you done? Ruben, you're yeah, going to have to get what it. Have I done? The I entire show is a The entire show is a vibe. It's created. It's this Western neo Western vibe. I, the best way I can describe it, when you're watching this, it's like watching punk rock jazz. Is what this yeah. show is. This like, show is also like the birth, or like part of the birth of the idea of the space Western. Things that would be more solidified as Star Wars, like as Star Wars legacy continue to carry on, and as shows like Firefly. Uh, came out, you know, or they're like the modern Star Trek. It's, it, but yeah, this is an album. This show is literally an album. Like Ruben said, it's punk rock. It's punk rock jazz. Continue, Ruben. Ruben, you're gonna have to get your words in. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna gush about the music of this show. I'm. <laughs> oh, I'm looking. trying. I was trying to look for the bumper. Like, uh, here we go. The work which becomes a new genre itself will be called Cowboy Bebop. Is it's... the bumper that leads into and comes back to every commercial. Basically, 
like the, the uh, Shiniro Wanatabi, the guy who created Cowboy Bebop, what he was going for, he was just in in addition to the emotions you feel, it's like a vibe. It's like a unique vibe you feel when you watch this. It's like unmatched. Like people will try to recreate this vibe, but it's never exactly this vibe. It's like I said, it's like you're watching punk jazz. Like it's like hard jazz. You'll watch action sequences and like hard like like a jazz solo will come in and just like make the entire thing feel different than like it would feel with like a rock pop song you know you know what i mean like and I, you're I, right wishes and you're right wishes he was the seatbelt. <laughs> anyway yeah you, you just go go off go off yeah. go ahead oh. <laughs> my god guys now, this is why this is one of my favorite shows. This is what Ruben's Ruben talking about. Because this is, and you'll look at that bumper and you might chuckle, but this is a new genre, basically. And not to say that it doesn't pay homage to different things. There's an episode that's kind of a a, a throw up of, of, of the thing and alien, you know? There are episodes that pay homage to different things. So it's, it's, it is a compilation of different things, but this is an album of a show this is a, a show where the music is married right to it and we have to give big props and we, we i'm gonna say their name several times the seat belts the seat belts that is the band that was put together by um by composer and instrumentalist yoko kano to make the music for the show and only the show this is they, they've only written for the show which is a crime in my opinion because they, they, I need these guys to make more stuff. They are so good. And it's hilarious because these are not traditional jazz musicians. This is jazz. This is, this, this is jazz. What I, what I, uh, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is the, the ideas of improv, of conversations between instruments. This mm -hmm. is the idea of like these different, different instruments coming together and making something beautiful, much like the bebop crew. Um, and it's something that the seatbelts had not even had that much experience in beforehand. And yet, there's so much beauty in what it's doing. And yeah, it's, it's a little rough around the edges sometimes. Uh, yeah, maybe it doesn't follow jazz form completely. You know, they're not Oscar Peterson. You know, they're not Clifford Brown, but they are giving it their all. And the music is phenomenal. It gives you highs. It gives you lows. Uh, I listened to the, to the show album for this to death. I listened to that album so many times because there's so many wonderful songs that play off so well with whatever's happening on screen. Like Ruben said, when it's action passed, it's fast, it's snappy. You have brass sections, you have the saxophones just wailing in the back, the drummer's going crazy. But at the same time, it can be slow. It can be subdued. It can go from jazz or rock to Western almost. You have banjo, yeah. harmonica, kind of a slower kind of, kind of waltz kind of feeling. But, and, and something that especially you know, I think solidifies the fact that music is so closely tied to this. Not only is it this show called Cowboy Bebop, Bebop being a form of jazz uh, music that began around the 60s with people like Miles Davis uh, 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 oh shit, who wrote who wrote Giant Steps? Why am I forgetting his name? Coltrane, John Coltrane. Things that started with Miles Davis, uh, John Coltrane, you know, Cannonball, Cannonball Adderley, all these people doing this. That, that's what the show's named after. That's what the ship's named after. Bebop. Not only that, each episode is a musical. It, 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 the title is musical. Asteroid Blues, Stray Dog Strut, 
Honky Tonk Woman, yeah. Get Away Shuffle, Ballad of Fallen Angels, Sympathy for the Devil, Heavy Metal Queen, Waltz for Venus, just to na- name a few, you know? And the series yeah. finale, The Real Folk Blues. The Real Folk Blues, which is also the ending soundtrack. This music is this show. The show and the music are one and the same. This The is- show was pitched with the music, yeah. I think. No, yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, this he was this, going for a vibe, like it's a new genre, it. it's truly is a new genre. This it's is a like new what... genre who's that's exploring deep themes, but like on the surface, watching it, even if you're not watching it for those themes, you are going to get a kick out of this show because yes. it's like nothing you've ever seen. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think I can make a comparison, like maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, like you brought up earlier, maybe at the yeah. most basic level. But even then, it's like completely different, even from yeah. that. Because this isn't a jukebox, ju- jukebox musical, quote unquote, in the same way that yeah, Guardians yeah. is, or the same way that like I, I mean, I don't know if I want to call this a jukebox musical, but the same way that Fantasia or Fantasia two thousand is, where like you animate according to like music written hundreds of years before, like decades before, by people like Tchaikovsky, Stravinsky, uh, uh, Gr- Ruben. What have you done? What have you done now, my? <laughs> My my major is showing, god damn it. But yeah. like this is something where the music was made for the story. The story was made for the music. This is why things like TV and movies to me are like things that I love and things that Ruben loves. It is a marriage of all the art forms that we appreciate. Granted, I'm more of a writer or a musician than I am like a cinematographer or or a director. Like I don't know how to do that stuff. But the thing is, this is a collaborative art where all of these things come together and you're able to take the sum of the best parts of what humanity has to offer and show them a reflection of life in a cool setting, like like space. I will I will argue that Ruben says this is like nothing you've seen before. I mean, there are people, I mean, the product itself, nothing has touched it, but it is inspired so much. Yeah. Like I said, it inspired Josh Whedon's Firefly. F the dude, but I hear the show's great. Uh, oh it, my god, we should, I should yeah. have mentioned Firefly. You're yeah. right. That yeah, it's great. Very clearly inspired Guardians of the Galaxy, even if James Gunn isn't aware of it. I mean, those ideas came from somewhere. It's like how people will 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 use the Akira shot, you know, the the Akira motorcycle shot. And at, at this point, there are people who don't know where it came from originally. They saw it in a cartoon. They saw it in a movie. They loved the shot. They do it themselves. But it comes from Akira. It's the same thing with Guardians. Um, like a lot of things that are set in space, the tone has been taken from Cowboy Bebop. Now, you know, if it's not Star Wars or Star Trek, it's Bebop. Um, it is just just such a beautifully made show and it makes you crack up laughing there are moments that will have you doubled over and there are moments where you will nearly cry or will you where you will cry john wick takes inspiration from this hell we were talking yeah. about that i want to last spoil the it. last john wick yeah there's the a last scene, john wick there's a scene in the last John Wick that is directly inspired by the finale of this show without giving yeah. anything away, this, which is nuts. We're yeah. talking 25 years later. This and that's just because Keanu loves Cowboy Bebop. He tried to make a live action movie years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would have loved to see him with Spike, honestly. No, but like this is, you know, like this, this is just such a beautiful show that has inspired, will continue to expire, and will continue to stand on its own for the next 25 years. And the 25 years after that, 
it, it's so easy to take it for granted or to because even, even on the surface level this is just a show with so much attitude and pizzazz like the way that the music fits with the action it's animated beautifully hell we haven't even talked about the animation animated beautifully like and the story hits the voice acting whether in an english or in japanese phenomenal character design uh planet design the 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 design of the bebop itself there's so much attention to detail put to the most nitty-gritty aspects of this reality um and it, it and it and it ends up just being something that is unforgettable you know this this is a show that i i've i've seen twice i saw it once by myself and once once with my ex we didn't finish it um but and I will watch it again and again and again for that reason. It's, it's because it's just, it's it's a thing in and of, it's a thing to itself, you know? You're not going to find something that's exactly the same, uh, even if they, you know, call it Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> and shade at the live action I'm version. throwing shade. I don't even, look, here's my thing. Why would you even try why would you even try yeah. to recreate something that is made to be animated? That is made to be. I mean, I like, guess the one the One Piece uh, live action worked apparently. According to people, yeah, apparently that worked. But here's the thing, Ruben: the people who make some of these live actions miss the point. One Piece isn't really mm-hmm. missing the point. It's really hard. It's very easy to miss the point with Cowboy Bebop. You see yeah, all because it's black- like it's it's a cool like well officially what they call it here a neo-noir space western so it's like a cool cowboys in space thing so you're right it's really easy just to fall into the trappings of oh let's just like recreate these moments like oh cool it's a cool space action show where everyone's in spaceships instead of horses yeah you know that's what they're that's what they're going for you know but like yeah you're right it's really easy to miss the nuance of the story that's being told here it's less about the environment and the world but the world is insanely well to- like built though yeah. it's insane world building they do here what it is is the story they built an amazing world and then told an incredible story within that world and a lot of times people don't do that people will world build and then make a really boring story within that world yeah. <laughs> valerian um so <laughs> don't that yeah, valerian the valerian movie yeah. um but anyway so like it, it it does that really well you know what i mean like it it constructs a story that goes beyond its setting like it's an epic setting with an epic story to match it and i feel like yeah that live action version kind of missed the point of that epic story with some of the changes they made which kind of take the wind out of the sails of the story yeah, that they were trying to tell in the original version. They're like, "Oh, look, let's just make these changes. It'll be fine. It won't change like the the main feelings of the show. It, it does, like it does yeah. that." Yeah, and trying to make it multiple seasons is also stupid. This yeah. is an album. This is an album. Stop, stop trying to stretch it out. Don't try to make the bridge or the chorus too long. This thing is this thing is paced so well. It has slower moments. It has quicker moments. It has moments where you can sit down and, re- and introspect and moments where you're like on your feet, like, oh my God, the, like shit's going down. And it's all paced so beautifully. It flows so naturally from one moment to the next. Just oh, like yeah, this is, jazz, baby. But it's the- kind of the point. Yeah, the, 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 the fact that it's a short show is also kind of the point. It's showing that that finality, you know, that uh that everything has an end. Like even these great moments that oh, these guys have together will have an end. And you see that end and you're like, Oh, I wanted more. And that's the feeling you want to have. If you're the creator, that's what you wanted to create. Cause that's the message you're trying to send. 
Like, yeah. enjoy the time you're with these people, with your found family. Enjoy that. Don't live in that past. Don't live with your loneliness because it'll all pass by way too quick and yeah. you won't be able to embrace it. I think, I, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's also yeah. part of the theme, you know? Yeah, the it's show. a microcosm of the idea of the present. The present is forever fleeting. The past and the future are more solid concepts of the present ever will be. The present is now and gone, now and gone, now and gone. You got to appreciate what you have right now. And that's what Bebop does so beautifully. It's here and then it's gone. And and you can rewatch it as much as you want. The story is going to be the same. Uh, God damn, it's such a good show. God damn it. Oh, Ruben, you're gonna make me rewatch the show eventually again. Yeah, I'm over here. This trying is to watch. yeah, great. Twenty six episodes, thirty minutes. You, I mean, thirteen hours. You can come on. You're like you. You can do that if you're on yeah. the fence. If 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 everything we've gushed about, I mean, watch those other YouTubers Jonathan mentioned earlier. But this yeah. show, just incredible. The 26, well, sessions, not episodes. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't, exactly, don't go by. exactly. I told you it's. I'm sorry, I'm shut up. I'm shut it's up. music. It's music. It's an album, like you said. It's an album. Yeah, it's a it's visual album. album that's also telling a story. Yeah. And you know, it's a story that is impactful. It's a story you'll want to revisit. It's a story that doesn't overstay its welcome. It'll move you. It'll laugh. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll be angry because of the corruption of this world. We didn't talk about much about that, but you see that yeah. a ton. I mean, this this space police ain't no virtuous uh, individuals. There's that yeah. crime syndicate. There, there's no one good in this world. No. There's only everyone's flawed. But like this group of people you're with, they're just trying to do the best they can. They're trying to live as morally as they can, and they yeah. make mistakes along the way. And, they, say, and that's a funny thing. I, like mm-hmm. we on screen, we rarely see them actually successfully catch catch a bounty. Sometimes they screw up, and sometimes. They, they're just not built for this. And you realize that there are moments where they have to do it. And they're like, we can't turn this guy in. This man's a victim of the world that he's in. This man yeah. is like us. And we can't, we can't do it. It's like, I remember there's this, oh, what is it? It's the chess episode. I don't, I'm not going to spoil it. But at the end, they don't, I mean, the only spoil I'm going to tell you is that they find the dude, but they don't turn him in because they're like, just leave him alone, dude. Yeah, like, that's the other thing. Each, it's like, like the work. The world building of the show isn't just of the characters as you go through the episodes. They build out the world. Like when you're starting out, you don't know all everything about the world. Like all, some of the stuff I told you, you find out at the beginning of the show, like a couple episodes in. But the thing is, you if you just turn on the show, you just see a couple guys bounty hunting and you don't know anything about this world. But slowly you see how messed up this solar system is. Like, yeah, oh, cool. It's a cool action comedy thing. But at the at underneath it all, there's this tragedy. Like, damn, this isn't going to be okay. Like, how, yeah. humanity is kind of messed up here. And how do you navigate that? Like, like, how do you navigate this, like, broken world? And I guess that kind of ties into our own world. And you, it's with the relationships you have with other people and trying to move forward. The show's like the main thesis of the show and the main message is move forward. And that's the that's the message that the creator is trying to send through the characters who don't listen to that message. But that's what he's trying to tell you. Yeah. You gotta move forward and find like the best group of people you can and just live life and like try to survive. That's it. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything you want to add before we uh, sign off? Ruben, here? I have gushed about this show for too long. 
Watch right. Cowboy Bebop. That's all. The only thing I can tell you. This is one of the best things made. All right. And if we're talking animated shows, this is up there with Avatar, Evangelion, Attack on Titan, um, Gravity over Falls. The, Gravity Falls. That's so over, over the garden. Over the garden oh, wall. That now was, was the time. Too. I was gonna say, guys, it's October. Now is the time to rewatch Over the Garden Wall. That is another show. That Damn I feel it, like- we have to review that one here. Yeah. Well, maybe, that maybe is- next year. Maybe next year. Yeah, that one is deceptively simple. I need to watch yeah. it again because I remember the second time watching it, like you catch more. Like, and that's another show where you're like, ah, one season, a mini series, really? Give me more of this. But it's like, all right, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play one of the best opening themes in history instead of our usual music here. So uh, respectable. <laughs> so uh to sign off, see you space cowboy. Yeah. See you space cowboy. <laughs> Have a great one guys. <laughs> Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. Oh.